Talks. Um, today is my fifth in um, six shows in a series about domestic violence to recognize October as National Domestic Violence Month. And today I'm really happy to welcome Ross Steinborn, who is with the YWCA North Shore Rape Crisis Center. Welcome, Ross. Thank you, Nikki. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I thought we could start a little bit, to, and, and maybe you could tell people um, about the Rape Crisis Center, and yeah. where is it, and what's kind of your scope of services, and um, and um, what areas, you know, what geographic yeah, areas. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So the YWCA North Shore Rape Crisis Center, um, we have three offices. Uh, well, we have one main office in Lynn, Massachusetts, mm -hmm. uh, and then we serve the whole North Shore, actually, so including Cape Ann and Gloucester. Um, <clears throat> Our other two satellite offices, we have one in Newburyport, where we share some offices with YWCA there on Tuesdays, and then we share offices with Nagley um, yeah. in Salem, yeah. Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. um, and then as far as services go, uh, we s um, anybody who's a survivor of sexual assault, um, or mm -hmm. a sexual abuse, or sexual harassment, um, could uh, uh, qualify. Um, uh, we serve 12 uh, people, 12 and up. Um, and that includes confidential, so what that means is uh, no insurance, uh, we take a first name and a last initial, um, okay. and so we can do empowerment-based counseling. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we um, do legal, med legal medical advocacy, mm -hmm. so the way I like to explain those is that we're not um, nurses or doctors, but right. we can kind of be a moral support if somebody yep. decides to get um, a sexual assault uh, kit done, like a rape kit done yep. Yep. Um, at the hospital. And then uh, the same thing with the legal side. So we're not lawyers, but we can be kind of a moral support if somebody wants to get a harassment order against right. their perpetrator or actually wants to make a complaint, um, a, a criminal complaint with the police department. Mm -hmm. And do you have a hotline? Yeah, so a couple more things. We uh, we, also, we have a hotline. Yeah. Um, I, that's 877-509-9922. Okay, um, And then we also actually are offering a drop-in group for survivors. It's a little bit new, um, what we're trying out. Huh. Um, so uh, instead of it being a group that builds up that you come to every week, uh, it's a group where um, if you just need to drop in and, and get a little bit of, uh, and just like help, um, coping yeah. with the thing, so right. we're do that's what we're kind of trying right now. So we just Where's had that? our, so that's going to be in the Lynn office. In the Lynn office. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and that's uh, every other Wednesday. Yep. So we just had our first one yesterday. Oh, yeah. So the next that's one great. will be October sixteenth, and that's at six p.m. If oh, that's great. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's really needed. So it could be anyone from a teenager to. Yeah. Older. yeah, yeah, and yeah. And the uh, the way I understood the groups, and I wasn't at the first one, but yeah. the way I understood how they wanted to run those was um, just kind of focusing in on a particular emotion, kind of every week, right? And so, how does that emotion? How can that emotion be affected by uh, mm -hmm. trauma, mm -hmm. um, by being um, a survivor mm -hmm. or a non-offending loved one, right? Mm -hmm. So, a supportive right. survivor, right. Yeah. right? Which I didn't mention so before. We also uh, yeah. we also um, support. S supports, I guess. We, so we see secondary trauma survivors. So um, ah. we'll see partners. Oh, that's of, really important yeah. to know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. that's great. So partners, or so if your partner was assaulted, even if it was like a long time ago, and you're right. just hearing about it, right. we definitely hear from people like uh, people who've been in that sure. situation, or parents whose yep. children were assaulted. Yep. We've often we'll, oh, we'll work with folks like that. As well. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. great. So if <coughs> if I called the hotline mm -hmm. and I'm you know 65 years old. Mm -hmm. And I say, you know, I just had this 
memory of mm. being sexually assaulted, yeah. Yeah. I would be able to yeah. receive services uh, free of charge, free of charge, yep. confident. Absolutely. Okay. And we actually see um, a lot of scenarios quite like that. Yeah, um, yeah. And it really kind of can be driven by the news at the time. Yes. So during the Kavanaugh hearings, for yes. example, a lot of folks calling up saying, man, I've been... That happened in my practice. Yes. Yeah, it yeah. just oh, triggered yeah. so yeah. many memories yeah. for people. And uh, I'm 65 years old. I, this right. happened to me when I was you know, in high school, right. uh, I, I thought I was over it, but this, the news cycle just brought this up and that was perfect. Yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, we were able to work with that person over the phone and didn't have to see her in person, but if she wanted to come in in person, there was some support available, yeah, which is great. Mm -hmm. So, um, how did you end up, what's your journey been <laughs> to, to get to what you're doing now? I can't, I know we've been colleagues for a yeah. while, but I don't know how long you've been at the Wave Crisis Center, but. So I've been at the North Shore, the YWC North Shore Crisis Center for four years. So uh, yeah. April will be my fifth. Mm -hmm. um, and then before I was uh, at the Rape Crisis Center in the North Shore, I was at a Rape Crisis Center in Milford, Massachusetts oh, okay. for about a year. Um, my uh, route here was um, a, a windy one, if you will. So <laughs> yeah. um, I have my uh, my master's from Harvard and Master of Divinity um, right, right. from Harvard Divinity School. Uh, and there um, I was hoping to do PhD work uh, mm. where I was studying um, uh, Christian theology and gender studies. Mm. Um, and then uh, Ancient Greek happened, so I decided not to do. I decided I was a little bit burnt <laughs> Blew out. Blew it out of the water. <laughs> yeah, a little. yeah, yeah. Um, and then <clears throat> did an internship my last semester there, or my last year there, um, with Harvard's Office of Sexual Assault Prevention and Response, oh. which is kind of um, Harvard campuses, sure. uh, kind of mini rape crisis center. Yep. And that's kind of where, and I was like, oh, this is really interesting work. Um, it fits yeah. in with my own passions mm -hmm. around uh, around gender mm -hmm. uh, and very much thinking about uh, masculinity and violence. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. at violence. the time, so mm -hmm. that's yeah, that kind of how I got a, got into it. So. How you link all the yeah, trains <laughs> yeah, together. yeah, yeah. Um, maybe we could take a second to talk about, as I know. Uh, many people experience some confusion around all the different terms that we mm -hmm. use in mm -hmm. domestic violence or mm -hmm. rape or sexual assault. So many, I just I put some of the words down just thinking yeah. to myself, you know, there's sexual harassment, there's sexual assault, mm -hmm. there's rape, there's human trafficking, mm -hmm. there's, you know, and people I think, and the reason I like to bring it up is that I think when people get, you know, swirly about the mm -hmm. definitions, they stop focusing on the important stuff. Right, right. Um, And I know it's up to them, it's mm -hmm. on them to learn them, but mm -hmm. I think it's helpful to, yeah. so how would you make a couple of different differentiations there? Before I make a distinction, I think it's important to kind of tie them all together, okay, right? Good. And yep, so um, instead of getting really uh, confused in the, what distinguishes them, yeah. I think it's important to recognize that all of them, sexual uh, assault, sexual abuse, sexual harassment, human trafficking, are um, a violation of somebody's sexual boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. And so somebody mm -hmm. says, I have this, this sexual ethic or the sexual boundary, um, and to violate that, to break that, to ignore it, um, to abuse it, um, is is how I think I would put in, that's kind of the, the, the overarching the, definition, yeah, that's, yeah, if you will. Yeah, totally. um, so sexual assault is, uh, is any um, unwanted uh, sexual contact, mm -hmm. um, uh, which, um, then I guess we could talk about sexual abuse, which mm -hmm. is um, when 
uh, sexual assaults happen to a person over and over again. So yep. they're constantly, um, yep. they're in a situation where they can't, um, they can't easily get out of that situation. Mm -hmm. So when we think of sexual abuse, we're often thinking of children. So like the sexual yeah. abuse of children, because their perpetrator, the person uh, violating their, their sexual boundaries, their, their body, auto bodily autonomy are usually have a ton of power over yes. them. Parents, yes. uh, some other adult, right. and they don't know how to get out of that. Right. Some places in sexual abuse that we often forget about are um, elderly and disabled yes. as well, where those same kind of dynamics can exist. Yep. Um, sexual harassment then, um, I often think of sexual harassment as place, right? So where mm -hmm. is it taking place at? Um, mm -hmm. And so sexual harassment does kind of be, is a bit more of a legal term, if you will, yeah, um, yeah, that's yeah. kind of denoting uh, a sexual assault or um, uh or some kind of unwanted sexual contact or, or non-contact um, in a workplace or in a school environment. Um, mm -hmm. And so, um, and that's when we start to talk about sexual assault. So, mm -hmm. The Me Too movement is very yeah, much focused on sexual, I'm sorry, it was very yeah. much focused on sexual yeah, harassment. Exactly. Right? Um, and focusing on there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly, yeah, okay. That's great, thank you. You had mentioned a couple others. Do you want to stop there? Or? No, that's good. <laughs> okay, I, think, yeah. I mean, you know, this yeah. is two or three shows <laughs> yeah, worth of yeah, information, yeah, so is. we're just going to have to <laughs> yeah, absolutely. somehow cut to the chase here, but there's a lot to say. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to talk about um, prevention and education, yeah. but before we do that, let's just take a minute to talk about the intersection between mm -hmm. domestic violence and um, sexual assault and rape. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's an it's a it's a great um, a great question. How those two, how domestic violence or intimate partner violence and yes. um, and sexual assault kind of inter intermingle. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to to talk about it. I guess um, as you know, and maybe a lot of your viewers don't know, um, it up until 1991 in the state of Massachusetts, marital rape wasn't illegal, yeah. Yeah. right? And so. Yeah. Uh, um, and the the way it was phrased was something of, along the lines of um, rape was defined as uh, the forcible carnal knowledge of a woman not your wife, right? And so there was this yeah. caveat. Specific. Of, yeah, it was very specific. Yeah. It very much defined who could be victims of rape women and who could be perpetrators of rape men. Yep. And it also took yeah. out the relationship between a, a man and a woman or a, a husband and a wife in that whole definition, right? Yeah. So I think that that's a cultural artifact, if you will, that still kind of hangs around, right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, and we often get um, clients come in and don't recognize, uh, they'll say, I didn't even know that I could say mm -hmm. no to my mm -hmm. husband. You know, I didn't mm -hmm. know that that was possible, mm -hmm. that, that it was illegal, yeah. that for him to force, for him to force himself on me. Um, and it's not only in marriages, right? It's also in dating relationships. relationships. And we see that even with, um, even with young kids and starting just starting out their dating relationships is like as soon as they say they're dating somebody they have this anticipation that that person's body belongs to them right yeah. that like yeah. i get mad if you don't want me to touch me you right. know i get mad if you don't want to, it won't let me hold your hand right yeah. or you know. so we definitely start to see um that kind of ig ignoring consent mm -hmm. um early on when mm -hmm. we start to talk about dating and relationships and that's kind of the connection yeah, and I would say, Just like, as um, a, as an abusive relationship gets to uh, escalates to a place where there's physical violence, I wouldn't surprise me if there was also unspoken sexual violence there as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. unfortunately, I agree. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I've certainly seen that a lot. Yeah. 
you know, it's interesting, but my sense from the great distance of my years, <laughs> my sense is um, that I'm really taking a leap here by sounding ancient, <laughs> but that sexual mores and sexual practices mm -hmm. have changed a lot mm. um, with between the age bracket of maybe 12 to 15 mm -hmm. in that. And I kind of see that just in mm. my work. Um, and there's so many different kinds of definitions mm. in terms of your sexual encounters, you know, everything from hooking up to, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. other things that I won't yeah. mention on TV. <laughs> but I, do you, how does that affect, do you think, um, you know, going the, over that line and being a perpetrator, you know? Yeah, um, that actually leads me, I think, that's actually a great segue into talking about prevention education work yeah. um, and into consent, right? Like yeah. for yeah, us exactly. at the Rape Crisis Center, that the one thing, so we anytime we go into um, do a, a presentation for um, schools or a youth a youth group, it, we always say, you know, we're not here uh, to tell you um, what to do or when to do it mm -hmm. um, or what not to do. Mm -hmm. We're here um, in our whole conversation. We want to base it around when and if you choose to have sex or engage in any kind of sexual activity. We want that to be the best possible experience for everybody involved. Yeah. Right? So how do we have? What What do we need? What kind of conversations? What kind of an awareness do we need um, about our partner's uh, boundaries and values and about our own boundaries and boundaries and values yeah, yeah. to get to that place, right? Um, and so, I mean, I don't. I think that there is a lot of confusion and a lot of pressure um, yeah, to yeah. have to Absolutely, have sex. Yeah. Um, young, very yeah, young. Yeah, yeah. I, but I don't know that. Um, I mean, I don't know that today's teens are really any more promiscuous than before. In yeah. fact, a lot of research shows that um, they, uh, today's teens are actually taking a lot less risk beha risky behaviors than it's even my, uh, my generation, generation or your yeah. generation. Right. Um, and a lot of that is, there's a flip side to a lot of that in the research, is that they're actually not, <laughs> the reason they're not taking risk behaviors is because they're on, they're on social media all the time and not actually hanging out with each yeah, other yeah, yeah. to take the risky <laughs> behavior. Absolutely, so, but there's that a makes flip, sense. Yeah, there's a bit of a flip uh, yeah. uh, coin yeah. there. But nonetheless, um, I think we actually see, I actually really enjoy going to the schools nowadays yeah. um, because the students are really quite aware of consent already. Um, and I think a lot of our, a lot of what my, the field I'm in has been trying to do, I would say, for the five years that I've been doing, I've been in the field, and even before, is really starting to take hold, right? And we've really started mm -hmm. to see that, and a lot of help um, in that from like the uh, Obama administration's uh, um, focus on campus sexual assault to the Me Too movement of, yeah, the, yeah. of, the, of the time now yeah. has really helped, I think, to start to find consent for people, and that's a word that people know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you, so you go, how many educators are out, you know, out people in that role are at the rape crisis? Yeah, center? so there are, um, man, I'm going to do a head count. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, there's four of us right now. Okay. Um, and there's, and that's it. I mean, there's four of us in the office. We're a fairly small office um, at the North Shore. And Rope is there crisis a mix center. of like direct service, prevention education? We, because we're so small, yeah. we really try to uh, be jack of all trades yeah. in the group. Yeah, so I, I, um, I, I, my title is a community uh, outreach coordinator. Okay. So I do do a lot of the community outreach stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm seeing, I'm seeing uh, clients and advocating okay. for folks as yeah. well. So it's, we're all kind of doing whatever. Yeah. It's a pretty tall order. Yeah. Not yeah. unlike Hawk. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know, it's just oh, yeah. 23 cities and towns <laughs> yeah, over yeah. kind of Four of us. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. So um, here's the trick question, right? Okay. Yep. 
So ha back when you started in this work, which as you say was close to five years ago, mm -hmm. um, it must have been unusual for a man <laughs> to come forward, answer a hotline, mm -hmm. and talk to somebody mm -hmm. who's been victimized by rape or sexual assault. Yeah, it um, it's still, there's still not many of us across no. the state. I, on last count that I knew of, there was, I think, four of us um, in the state. I believe it, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, we actually have a, 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 a volunteer and now a, a, a young man interning for us, um, actually, ah. who's also a, a man and very interested in the yeah. work, too. So yeah. it's very, it's, uh, you know, <clears throat> I think two things about it. The first is that one of the things it does, I think, is it pushes the field, which really mm -hmm. started out of the feminist movement in the 80s, mm -hmm. to really start to think about the ways in which it, we put up as a field, put up barriers for male survivors, um, yeah. uh, which we do. Yes. Um, and, uh, and I really hope that we're starting to break those down. We're really starting to understand or pull out the differences between men and female survivors, because there mm -hmm. are a lot. Um, and our focus on female survivors had really created a, a, our spaces around that, right? And our responses to disclosures around how mm -hmm. women, how female uh, survivors disclose, and, and really not a big focus on how male survivors disclose. So one of the hopes is that we're a bit better at that, right? Yeah. Um, accepting um, male survivors or hearing their their um, their stories. Yeah, or inviting them to. Right, right, and being in that and being in that yeah. space, right? Because it can be hard. Uh, mm -hmm. One for men to. I mean, there's a lot of cultural resonance yes. there, right? So it can yes. be very hard for men to come forward and say I was sexually assaulted. Absolutely. And it can be really actually hard for people to hear that. It's not like yes. our advocates aren't also immersed in our own people. culture right, right. people right, right, right yeah and it can be hard to hear that when you're not used to it too sure. so that, that change yeah the other thing i think is interesting i've had clients come in and say i don't know how comfortable i'm going to be female clients come in and say i don't know how comfortable i would be with a male advocate and the one thing i always say mm -hmm. is and i uh you know i say i imagine that's because their perpetrator was a male and they're almost always like yes yeah and i'm right. like well you know one of the challenges here could be for you to have an experience with a male that is a different, right? Um, and so yeah. uh, that is more positive. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, not always, but every yeah. now and then I've challenged clients in that way as well too. So. Yeah, well, and that's part of the hope of, yeah. you know, of having a male advocate. It's yeah. that it breaks through those barriers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was reading, I think I might have shared this with you before, but I was reading a study, I can't remember exactly what it was, um, about um, male uh, juvenile offenders, mm. and they were incarcerated in, mm -hmm. I forget, maybe the Midwest, um, and they were doing theater work oh. with them. Mm -hmm. um, it was, I forget the name, it was a fabulous program, yeah. and the kids um, created stories about themselves, huh. and the focus was on trauma. Yeah. So they told their stories of trauma, these are all males, mm -hmm. um, but the perpetrator of the trauma was not in the scenario. Mm. So it was like they were sort of creating their own sort of hope mm -hmm. and their own stories mm -hmm. and presenting them to other inmates. And these were, they were um, talking about their own stories yeah. of trauma, yeah. their own victimization? Yeah, 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 mm -hmm. yeah. And the, one of the things the study pointed out was that 99.9% .9 of them had experienced some kind of sexual mm -hmm. trauma. Yeah. And that the sexual trauma was in fact kind of like the gateway or the mm -hmm. skids mm -hmm. to um, addiction, mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, criminal activities mm -hmm. around the addiction, and then incarceration. Yeah. So uh, that, you know, it's like, it's sort of like, I mean, I really believe this, that if you scratch the surface, mm -hmm. 
of someone who's struggling, mm -hmm. ongoing, there's trauma in there's there. Trauma there. And very often it's sexual trauma. A lot of times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, one of the barriers, uh, I was talking about barriers, and this isn't just a barrier for um, male survivors, but female as well, yeah. but it's a barrier that our field sets up, and it's in our language, right? We talk yeah. about survivors, or yes, survivors right. and perpetrators, yes. right? Survivors yep. and perpetrators, and we make this duality of, or this binary, where you can't be both, right? You so can't you, be both a perpetrator and, and a survivor, yeah, right? Gotcha. Um, and yep. and that then and that's almost always, especially for uh, male survivors. Yeah. It's um, almost that's a lot of times not the case, right? A lot of times people, like you said, you scratch the surface of a lot of incarcerated folks yes, who yes. are perpetrators, and some of them sexual perpetrators, right? Sexual yes. assault perpetrators. There's trauma that there's trauma there too. They're also victims, yes. right? And so breaking that binary is, yep. a, I think, in our own language as a field, is a really important step going forward in thinking that through. And there is a lot of, a lot written about, um, like, juvenile sex offenders, mm -hmm. that they themselves were victims, yeah. Yeah. you know, mm -hmm. at some point and, in their history. And I don't want to mislead the audience. Yeah. Um, it's, those statistics are, can, can be really quite confusing. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. So enough, yeah. it is, it is the case that um, most perpetrators of sexual violence um, are, are victims at some point in their lives have experienced yeah. sexual abuse. However, most people who experience sexual abuse uh, don't go on yes, to become perpetrators. That's a yeah. really good distinction. The, yeah, those are huge distinctions. Yeah. No, yeah. that's really mm -hmm. important. Um, so, do you think that? I mean, you mentioned this, but but do you think that the just the movement in the country um, around Me Too and Times mm -hmm. Out, and do you think that that has literally brought you more? clients that people have reached out in a way they might not have because I, there's a light. I think it's a bit um, of a double, uh, not uh, of a double-sided coin yeah. in, all, in all honesty. I think the space is there for us to be active in the community and I think um, we're trying to be better at doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also think that um, if we weren't active in the community, Me Too uh, and the Time's Up movement have yeah. actually created a space for people to talk about their victim as their, their mm -hmm. own trauma mm -hmm. with their own support networks, mm -hmm. right? And so mm -hmm. yeah. um, it used to be the case that like this was a silent thing. I didn't talk about it. I was sexually assaulted or raped. And yeah. that's why we set up hotlines, right? That's why we right. had these places right. where we're very, very set up to be confidential. Mm -hmm. um, and that's like... Uh, that And that was because of what when we were set up in the 80s, right? Yes, but right, But now... Exactly. Um, it's okay to talk about those things, yeah. right? They're not as taboo to say, I'm a, se I'm a sexual assault survivor, right? Um, to yeah. a partner or to a support group. Yeah. Um, and so I think that we still play a role, um, and, but it's a role where we need to be more active in the community as, yeah, right. um, as advocates to say, yeah. no, you, can, you, you don't have to go through this by yourself. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, and we just have a little bit of time left, but okay. I wanted to touch upon, and you have a little bit already, but the issue of um, sexual assault and rape among the LGBTQ community mm -hmm. and, you know, the barriers to coming forward. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Maybe you could just talk for a second about that. It's a it's tough... A big topic. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough... Yeah, one, one second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, uh, the, the problem with um, LGBTQ... Um, sexual assault stats is that there aren't a lot. Um, mm. The research out there suggests that uh, it, it's higher than um, the the non-LGBTQ community. Um, 
but uh, I, 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 what's higher? That, I'm sorry, the rates of victimization okay. among LGBTQ okay, folks okay, is okay. higher. Yep. Um, and that's uh, within, uh, yeah, uh, so it is a very tough thing because yeah. we don't know a ton about it. Um, or, or if we are learning more about it, I haven't kept up with that research. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so it makes it, it, makes it more challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, uh, the ostracization of the community generally has, yeah. I think, made it harder yeah. to come forward for sure. some folks. Um, and that's especially true, I think, for the trans community, mm. um, uh, where there are very few numbers, um, but, but, uh, very few numbers because they very just, few statistics so on, it's on perpetration. Yeah, 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 we just don't know, yeah. Yeah. um, a lot about it, but the, the, um, uh, the thought pattern, the thought, I, the thought is that it's actually very high in that yeah. community. The, the uh, perpetrations, the extro- victimization is very high in that community. Um, so it's definitely a challenge yeah. um, and one that uh, I hope our agency gets gets better at uh, yeah. responding to yeah. as well. So. Yeah, that's a great answer. It's, it sounds like it's an ongoing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in fact, uh, we, so... We're doing, uh, we have a new partnership with NAGLI, which is the uh, North Shore Alliance for Lesbian and Gay Youth, um, uh, situated in Salem. Um, And so we're hopefully going to be starting to really build out um, a lot of our uh, prevention education work into that com- the, the, that community. Oh, that's great. So that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's great. the hope. So yeah. hopefully you ask me this question in, in a yeah. year or so, yeah, and yeah, I yeah, have yeah, a we'll much more succinct here. answer. I like yeah. that. It's a great partnership. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With yeah. Um, and then finally, maybe you could talk. Um, this is sort of a two-point question. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, um, how you think someone in a community or a family or even a work setting or how could that person be an ally to, um, you know, somebody who's being victimized? And then the second part is, and there's probably one answer to this, but but what can you tell people? What what do you feel is the most important thing for people to understand mm-hmm. about you know the rape crisis center, mm-hmm. but about the work of the rape crisis center? So the uh, the first question, um, you know, if somebody talks to you uh, or, or discloses a sexual yeah. assault or sexual trauma in their uh, in their past, um, again, uh, I would say to start by believing, right, is what we uh, is what yep. we always say, um, and I think a lot of times there's this kind of this this rush to um, to try to figure out what's right to fix it or yeah. to figure out what's real, uh, yeah. um, and recognize that especially if it's a loved one or yeah. you're a person's support group that you're role isn't a detective right and if you're part if your friend or partner uh or a child want to go to the police they are detectives who have that role to yeah. figure out what happened right but our job as loved ones and supports is to, is to believe first right mm-hmm. and to say i believe you um and and let them know that they're not not going to go through it alone right mm-hmm. that it is going to be challenging mm-hmm. uh but that healing does happen um and uh and they're not going to be alone in that um, and then the second question, I think the only thing I would add is I'd, because I'm the community outreach coordinator and I focus right. on prevention, right. I would add um, I think it's really important for us to continue the conversation about consent um, yes. and bodily, yeah, auto- and bodily autonomy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what does it mean uh, to, to respect somebody's sexual boundaries? Um, what does that look like and how do we respect our, our how do we uh, start to learn about our own sexual values and respect uh, those boundaries of our partners?
Yeah, I think it's it's challenging for young people anyway to express right. You know their consent and yes. their boundaries. Yes. It's, it's it's kind of a an important language yeah. to learn. And it's I mean not just young people. It's, yeah. It's yeah. it's tough yeah. for uh, anybody to express to express that. Um, you know. Uh, yeah. So it's important. And do you to think a, a bystander <clears throat> can intervene? Yeah, I mean, so a lot of times when we talk about bystander intervention, the first thought that pops into people's brains is um, when I'm at the club and I see like somebody uh, taking advantage of a drunk person, right, and I intervene there. And yeah, people, if they're yeah. comfortable, should totally take steps to do that. Yeah. But when I think about bystander intervention, and I think the place that we often miss is our own friends group, right? Yes. Like, um, it's much more easier for me to say, uh, to my good friend or to a family member that I respect and love, like to say, hey, the way that you yeah. treated your girlfriend yeah. made me really uncomfortable yeah. or, you know, this person's like really quite drunk. Maybe yeah. you should like just get her number and we could, tr you know, you could go from there. You right. Know? Yeah, uh, that's great. But much easier that's to great. confront uh, or to, to, to call in a friend or, yeah. uh, or a loved one well, than, yeah. than try to intervene in, uh, in stranger in, with strangers. I mean, that's if you're comfortable doing that, please. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but I think that's good because that's really how change happens. Yeah. It's right in your own. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. It, change happens at home. It <laughs> yeah, does. First, yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, we're out of time. Okay. So thanks Thank so you. much, yeah, Ross. Thank you nice very to much. see you. Yeah.